Welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, always brought to you by our good friends at Contender Boats. Super excited again today to have another great interview lined up for you guys. Uh, I think this one's going to be very informative and very cool. Um, I'm I'm hoping to learn some stuff as well, as I am uh, kind of new to this product, but very, very happy with it so far. It's in my new 26 Contender Bay, and uh, I've been able to play with it a little bit, and it does some tricks that uh, I've never had uh, this product do for me before, so I am very excited to introduce Glenn Hausman with Isla Mapping. Uh, you may know it better as Florida Marine Tracks, um, but uh, we'll dive into we'll dive into that. How are you today, Glenn? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, good. So, so let's 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 dive in. I like to lead in, and in, in how did we how did we get here? What's what's Glenn Hausman's story? Uh, how do how do we get from you know Glenn Hausman, fisherman angler, you know to you know making some of the best charts uh, for uh, you know navigation on the planet? How does how does all that take place? Well, that's it's it is a pretty long story. I'll try to make it short <laughs> for the sake of this purpose here. But uh, basically, um, I I never envisioned myself doing any anything like this ever. Um, never. I never had any training in mapping, never had any training in GIS information systems or any of this stuff. I was in my, you know, um, I had at a high school, I, I went into the Navy for a while. I was doing that. I got out of the Navy. I was went into the real estate business. And for most of my life, most of my working life, I've been a mortgage banker. I was in commercial real estate for most of my life. And that's what my, that's what I was doing. I was, I went to graduate school. I got a, you know, uh, degree in in real estate, uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees in real estate. And that was my focus. I had no idea I'd ever be doing anything like this, but, um, how it happened was I, 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 I had, uh, um, a lot of fishing experience, um, throughout my whole life, uh, freshwater and saltwater. And I had a passion for the, the South Florida area, the keys. My father would take me down there when I was a kid, um, a young kid, and we would fish the flats and, and everything like that. And got a chance to go out with some of the guides. And I was quite taken with all of that, how that goes down out down there and how it all gets done. And met some of the celebrities over my, my lifetime, saw Billy Pate and all these folks running around to Bud and Mary's with their fly rods and what have you. And, my dad and I would rent a boat and go out and, and hack it out. And we were pretty successful with that, even with a small rig back in the seventies, even. Um, but as I got older, I was able to finally get my own boat and I decided I wanted to take it down to the keys and figure it out. And I got a, a egret, which was a pretty expensive boat when I bought it, um, back then. And, I was excited to go out and try to figure out how to know, how to get around in the keys, but I learned very quickly that uh, running around with the guides made it look easy. And when I tried to do it myself in my own boat, um, I, I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of problems. <laughs> I, I, I tried it first in the Isla Mirada area, and uh, I just got myself in all kinds of trouble very quickly. I had no idea what I was doing, and the GPS. Uh, technology at the time, uh, this is just before 2010 or so 
wasn't so great. Some of them didn't even have base maps in the machine. Um, but eventually they came out with base maps and I tried to, to do it without the GPS and that was almost impossible for someone that had very limited experience and not a lot of time to figure it out because I had a banking thing going on. Right. right. So, um, you know, most people are, were in my shoes that are running around today. They, they have jobs, they have lives, they have families. They, they don't, they're not fishing guides and they don't have months, years even to learn an area properly. And that was me. And so I cracked the boat up, messed up some flats, cracked up a couple of lower units and everything else. Uh, just like many people do when they, when they're unfamiliar. And so I became a little frustrated with that. As the charts became more advanced in the GPS, I tried to implement GPS to figure it out and make it easier for myself. And, uh, the first one I tried was, uh, was a Lorance machine with a very dated chart that didn't work so well. I eventually moved back over to, uh, Garmin and I looked at what they had and they, uh, they had a very crude base map and that wasn't working so well either. It just was not sufficiently detailed to understand how to navigate a challenging area, whether it be Isla Morada, the lower keys or any place up in the nature coast for that matter. Even, going into Ponce Inlet, you know, trying to figure out how to get around uh, the sandbars in there that move around. Um, so I really didn't know how to fix this. I was frustrated. I knew other people had the same problem. Um, but uh, I waited a couple more years for things to get better. And then um, I tried, I heard this about this product that was at the time it was called Navionics. Garmin now owns them, but I tried them. And they were supposed to be the best. So I put that in, took that for a spin with the new machine that I purchased. And I just thought it was just, it was just no good. It just, I just could not understand what I was supposed to be doing using it. That's just the truth. Right. A lot of stuff I saw with my eyes was missing on the chart. The cuts weren't in there. The banks weren't in there. The pictures looked like paintings. You couldn't zoom in on anything with any clarity. It was just it was just crap. Basically it, I, I, it just was no good for that area. Now, if you're floating around at 500 feet out in the Gulf stream, no problem. But if you're trying to figure out how to get from the Lorelei back into snake bite, the fast way, sure. there's not a chance in hell you could figure yeah. it out. It just was just no way. So, um, I called him up and I said, Hey, you know, I'm here in the fishing capital of the world. Uh, you know, um, I'm trying to understand how to navigate with your product. You guys say you're Navionics and that's what I need. I need how to, I need navigation insight, but I can't do it with your chart. What am I missing? And I said, well, we don't know what you're talking about, sir. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they're like, well, we don't, we don't have any complaints about that. And I said, well, I do. And they're like, well, what are your complaints? And I said, well, how come half a nine mile bank is missing? You know, how come all the posts and signs I'd see out there are missing? There's hundreds of them. They're all over the place. Right. How come, how come you, the pictures, you can't zoom in on them. They all go fuzzy. And how come this one's black and white and that one's color? And all these things, all the local buoys, all the pole and troll zones, whatever was out there was missing. I said, this is not sufficient for any novice to navigate in this place. In fact, it's dangerous. How come I can't see the jetties down at the Northwest Passage at Key West on the chart? Why can't I see that very clearly? Why is it marked so poorly? You know, if you run into it, you'll, you'll, you'll destroy your boat. 
Right. Maybe even kill yourself. I mean, what's up with this? What gives? Are you going to fix this problem? Well, you know, I got a bunch of him and haw. No one wanted to admit any problems, um, so forth and so on. So uh, I was very frustrated, and I said, "Listen, this is this is this is not sufficient. This is insufficient for anybody." Uh, to navigate and it just is what it is. I'm not trying to bash you guys. I'm just telling you, you can't do it. So are you going to fix it? I just want to know. And they said, well, you know, we think we got the best map ever made the best map in the market, the best map ever created by him, (laughs) you know, and you're the guy, you're the only guy that's ever complaining about it. And I said, well, I find that hard to believe. And so, well, you're the only guy we've ever had call us about these things. And I said, well, it's no good. I'm just telling you, are you going to fix it? And I said, you show me something better and then we can talk. And I said, <laughs> I said, you gotta be kidding me. Anybody could be better than this. If they wanted to put their, some effort into it, all you got to do is put the hundreds of posts on there to be better. What about all the polling troll zones? What about this? What about that? I mean, give me a break. You can't see that there's better pictures in the market than what you guys have out there. Go look on your computer. They're all over the place. Right. So why don't you put them on the product? I don't get it. Show me something better and then we can talk, sir. And I said, okay. And so, um, at the time, you know, then it was on, right? It was on. So I'm like, I have to fix this because I wanted the problem fixed. But at that time, you know, I had a full-time job. I had all this stuff going on. I had no idea how I was going to get it done, but they challenged me. And I knew that it was an enormous problem. And I knew I wasn't the only guy with this frustration. So I endeavored to try to figure it out. So I had no idea how to do it. I didn't know how they did theirs. I didn't know how I was going to do mine, but I started looking into it and found pretty quickly that, uh, Navico, which is, was then and currently is today, Garmin's big competitor, you know, it's Coke and Pepsi. Um, they make Lawrence and Simrad machines and BNG machines. Right. They had, they had at the time, they had some software available for people that wanted to make their own map for their GPS. And it was pretty crude, but you could do it. And I decided I wanted to try to learn how to try to implement that to see if I could make something with it. Right. Well, at the time it was software that was conceived for someone that wanted to map their own pond, you know, behind their house or something like that, a small area. But there's no reason it couldn't have been in a larger area, but that's the way they conceived it, I guess, originally. It wasn't designed for mapping a state. Right. Anyway, I, I, I really was not a GPS guy. I wasn't a GIS guy. I had no training in this. So I hired a couple of interns uh, who were GIS people at, one of the, at a local university. And I told them what I wanted. I gave them the software. I gave them the helpline. I said, I want you to create a base map for me that I can get going. And then we're going to put good pictures on this. I'm going to fix all the inaccuracies and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So get me started and then teach me how to do this. So they did. And it took, um, it took a while, but we got a base map started, a basic, basic map going that I could then start to add data to, whether it be tracks or waypoints or buoys or whatever I wanted to put on it. They taught me how to do that. And then we had to source pictures, which is a whole nother full-time job in itself. 
Sure. Um, so we started pulling the imagery together that was going to be better than what Navionics had at the time. And we did. And we sourced it. It was not an easy thing to do, but we sourced it from lots of different places and started to piece it all together. Anyway, we figured it out how to do it, and I created a first draft. It took 36 months from the time they said, show me something better, and then we can talk, to the time I had a first draft. And I was able to create a chart that was pretty good for the keys, because that's where the genesis of this thing was, because I had had eventually purchased a property down there in the lower keys uh, eventually, and that's actually born at Kajo Key. Okay. Um, so we had a boat club at the time with some egret folks and part of it. And uh, I handed the chips out to a few folks that I knew and uh, said, hey, take this thing for a spin. Let me know what you think of it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they, they did. And I said, man, this thing's a great, this thing's awesome, man. This is, we can go anywhere with this thing down here. This is unbelievable. I love this thing. And I said, oh, well, I'm glad you like it. So, but originally it was just for me. I had no intention of making a company or any of that. I just wanted the problem fixed for myself so I wouldn't crash the rig up, you know? So anyway, I got a lot of positive feedback from it. And I started to think, well, maybe I can share this with some other people, but I don't want to do it unless I can protect the product and the integrity of it and so forth. So I, you know, they had some encryption software at Navico that I started to implement so that I could protect the product itself. And I started to share it with some other folks um, that wanted it. And I started charging a few dollars for it, but not a lot. And it really wasn't a, a anything that I ever conceived to be a, a going concern and a substantive business. But the truth be told, the demand was so strong for it Um that just through an organic process of people actually seeing it and using it, it grew from my first year where I had just thought, well, maybe I can make some boat gas. I can buy some boat gas and some fishing rods and some, you know, some lures, you know, on an annual basis. So that would be cool if I could cover some of these costs. That was the initial thought to, it grew from, from the first year where I'd sold about 20 grand or so of charts, not even really trying, honestly. Um, people just saying, Hey, can you get me one? And, uh, within five years, it was a seven figure business. That's great. And growing. Yeah, that's great. I I will tell you, I got to tell you this. I mean, again, I, and I, I was a, I was a Navionics guy, um, just for failure to know the difference, uh, there for a while. And when I first got this product and I put it in, it's mind blowing. I mean, it's crazy the the advancements that you've made. I mean, I kept you know hearing grumblings here and grumblings there and grumblings here, and you know how you're kind of comfortable in a zone where you kind of got things figured out. And you know, like you said, I'm a charter captain, so I'm out there all the time. I've been out there for 25 years. You know, the detail doesn't you know particularly uh, scare me. Um, but for a guy like me who also you know, because I've been fishing Tampa so long and, you know, a lot of times in my filming, I get, I, I'm with another guide in another area, so he knows where he's going. But some of those areas, I want to be able to take my skiff with my wife and just go vacation. And I don't run around up there. To have this tool is pretty incredible. I mean, it really is. What 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 you've managed to put um, on these charts is, 
And now, again, now you have all of Florida done, right? And Louisiana as well. Right, we did Louisiana. Uh, it's always something else you can map. I mean, this the work is never done, right? Something's changing, something, you know, you can add something here. We're always adding a layer here or a layer there or modifying a track or something like that or taking one off even. People call um, and say, can you take this track off because of this reason or that reason? And we listen to the logic and if it makes sense, particularly if it's from a, a fishing guide and there's a good reason from an environmental perspective to remove something, we'll take it off. Gotcha. Um, people, we've done that down in the keys in a few places where people, guides have called me and said, Hey, about, can you, would you mind? And I'm like, no, not at all. I'll take it right off. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's always an ongoing process and it was a, a hell of a lot of work. Um, but I got into it and then eventually retired from, um, the banking thing. And then I could focus on it in a far more substantive way and really dig in and expand the thing and try to improve it. And we've updated it over the years. We're always adding something, changing something. How often, we just released a new. I was just going to ask you how well, often do you how often do you update them? Well, we update them every week. Something changes every week, someplace. It could be a PVC stake. It could be a post. It could be a sign. It could be a track. It could be um, an extension to a pole control area, or something. It's changing someplace. Uh, not that anybody would notice uh, most people wouldn't notice some of the changes on a weekly basis unless it's right in their backyard. But uh, we changed the vector features, which is the stuff on top of the pictures all the time can be done very quickly, even in an hour, even. Um, but the pictures, which is really the basis of what this product is, the imagery is, is the, I guess, other than the tracks that we lay on top of the pictures as well, the imagery is probably the, the most famous hallmark of this product because it's so different from what the other guys do. And I can't tell you how much effort and time goes into messing around with these pictures and making them appear like they do on the machines because they don't come out of the camera in most places looking like that. Right. We have to spend m- many, many months messing around with the imagery to make it appear like it does and to fix problems with the pictures. Everything from sun glint to mullet muds to different colors in the pictures just so people understand these pictures come from a multitude of sources there are many most of the time they're taken at different times and there are minor differences in the color of the water depending on when they're taken and all of these things our objective is to make everything look as bright as possible as clean as possible as sharp as possible and to make it look like one contiguous picture for the entire state sure that means that we have to take picture A, which matches up to picture B, and the wa- one, one, one picture might have the water looking a little blue, and the other picture might have the water looking a little green. And if you don't fix that, it looks like a hard line between picture A and picture B, green water, blue water. Sure. And, and it doesn't look natural, and that's what you get this. It looks like a quilt on your screen, a patchwork, and that's what Garmin does. That's what they, they used to do and they still do because it's so hard to fix all these problems. Um, and sometimes you're patching in pictures that are older, that are better for different places and what have you. And to try to put this together in a seamless manner is a very, very challenging, time-consuming thing. And you're working with literally terabytes of information. Uh, the, the computers that we have, you know, are uh, very, very powerful machines and they still 
take a long time to process this data. And we are working with enormous picture sizes to fix. I mean, we are, it's nothing for me to boot up a 150 gigabyte image on a computer and start messing around with it. Um, and then have to save that and then put it with the next one and the next one and the next one. And we work area to area like that. So the pictures are a whole separate endeavor uh, from the vector features, which is all the information on top of the pictures, whether it be red buoys, green buoys, markers, whatever the feature is out there, that's all done by hand. Wow. So the original map was done in a similar way to what Garmin does. And all the mapping companies do this. I mean, most of these maps that you see out there that most people are, some people are very happy with theirs, but they're generally blue water boaters and they don't understand the difference when they go inshore. Right. Because all the maps are relatively similar out in the deep water. But once you get back into some crazy place, you know, uh, where all the details matter, uh, there's not a lot of focus on that. Um, there's not a lot of mapping business going on in that. You're not going to see any boats running around there taking the PBC stake locations, right? Right. But we do. I do that every day. Um, and they're all on there. There's hundreds of PBC stakes. And if you go driving around, in most cases, you're going to see, yeah, there is a PBC stake, and it's exactly at this location. And we do that because it's a navigation thing. But these other guys are what I call general reference applications. And it makes sense that they have to do it that way because they're mapping the world. And if you're a big, huge multinational corporation, whether it be Navico or Garmin or any of the other ones, they are mapping the world. They're making machines that cover the entire planet. They have to make a map for their machine, a base map, if you will. You're not, you know, for them to devote that kind of effort to get that kind of minutia going, it'd be impossible. Sure. Uh, for them to do it. So they take a very, very broad brush to the mapping endeavor. So where did this data come from? It comes from the government, like NOAA. Anybody could get it. You could go on today and you could download all the red and green markers, all the red and green buoys for the entire country. It's all government data. You could download it right into your computer. And that's what they do to start. And so that's what we did. But as you know, Many times you're going down a river and you look over and the map says there's a red marker on the right coming up 100 feet. And you look over there and it's not there. Or it's 300 feet away instead of 100 feet like the map says. Right. Well, this was all over the place. This was all over the place. So we had to try to fix all that. So we got something base, a base map to get going with the basics. There's supposed to be a red marker over in this location somewhere. We had to look at every one of them and decide if it was correct or not. And if it was wrong, we had to move it to its current location. So uh, we moved thousands of them, thousands and thousands of these markers from where Noah said they were to where they actually are. And if there was a sign next to it, we added the sign. And if there was a PVC stake next to it, we added the PVC stake or whatever. It could be a sign for hey, enter here for the marina right. or slow zone or whatever. All the slow zones, all the signs, even the big signs that they have out there for the boundary of the Everglades, they're all missing on these charts. And they're missing because government doesn't track that. No one doesn't track that. Right. They I don't can't, track. I can't even imagine 
as you're talking about this stuff, I'm thinking about all the times I've been to the Keys and I've made the run from Key Largo to Snakebite uh, to Flamingo to fish tournaments and do all that stuff. And the amount, the amount of PVC pipes and things you run past is alarming. I can't even imagine trying to accomplish that feat that you've done just in the Keys. That's crazy to me. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. the and keys like, is like the keys is like a a, a PVC store. I mean, there's probably enough PVC right. in the keys alone to open a huge PVC store. I mean, that's well, crazy. It's true. It's very true. But it's important because down there and in other places like up in Homosassa Crystal River, sure. like for instance, if you run from the inside from Crystal River to Homosassa on the inside through the Narrows, the the entire passage is almost well half of it anyway is pbc stakes yeah and and, you know they mark them red and green even uh i think they're put up by locals there's a few other ones but the whole place is navigated by locals that put up pbc stakes for the most part they're everywhere and if you don't you know if you're just if you go there and you don't know what what that means um and you look up and you're going down the river system and you see one ahead you don't know on these other products, if you're supposed to be on the left of it or the right of it, you just don't know if you've never been there before. Like, well, okay, I see a stake there, but I know there's probably something there, but what do I do? Right. Um, if you can't tell from the picture very clearly, it's like, well, do I go left or right? It's a big guessing game. And as everyone knows, that's listening, that's running around in an area that's completely unfamiliar to them with one of these general reference products, it creates an enormous amount of anxiety and uncertainty Super and it's a lot of stress, yeah. a lot of stress. Yeah. And it's a very unnerving feeling to be on plane and in an expensive boat, um, in shallow waters with obstacles all over the place and wondering, are, when am I going to crash? I hate that feeling. I've had that feeling that, that white knuckle feeling. It's like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen at any time. Unless you really know what you're doing, you get yourself 10 feet one way or the other, you can really be, get yourself in trouble. So in the Keys, in all over South Florida, and up in the Nature Coast, these PBC stakes are very important. And I recognize that they had to be mapped. They always move around, or a lot of them move around from time to time. We're constantly updating them. People run into them and what have you. But for the most part, we have, I would say in Florida Bay, we've got virtually every one. Um, I know that the directional posts that the park service puts out with the red, with the arrows on them yeah. in, the, in the park, even if it's in the, the wilderness waterway from Choco down to Flamingo or whether it be Tin Can Pass or any of the navigable passages th- through the system in the Florida Bay, they put up these navigable corridors and they've marked them with these four by four posts with arrows on them. But if you don't know where these things are and you're trying to figure out, you know, you're searching around, they're not going to be on these other guys' maps. They don't map that. Right. But, you know, just in 10 can channel alone, there's probably 300 of them. That's crazy. Right. It's crazy, but you got to know where these things are. And so we've marked everyone, everyone. So how do we do it? Well, there's no shortcut to that. You actually have to go in your boat and run around out there and go from place to place. And people, I mean, when I'm out there mapping, we're actually running the boat. We try to endeavor to make mark everything with two to foot accuracy. So if there is actually a post sitting there, if you idle over to it and zoom in on your GPS all the way in as far as you could go, 
you could probably look out and the, 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 you could touch it. It's going to be that close. That's, that's the goal anyway of the chart. And for most of the obstacles out there, whether it be PVC stakes or posts or whatever they may be, sometimes it's just a post with nothing on it. Right. But we mark it because it's an obstacle that you could run into in the night. Sure. So um, most of those things, the endeavor, we endeavor if you go over an idle to it, you could touch it with your hand. It's going to be that close. It won't be 50 feet away. It'll be right there. And it has to be because in that trying to navigate uh, in the lower keys or the upper keys, there's no margin for error in some of these cuts. That's some fact. of these cuts are only about as wide as it's only as wide as your boat. So right. everything has to be very, very precise. And so we put all these features on the map to help people understand at a zoomed out level and a zoomed in level, how to most efficiently navigate from point A to point B without wrecking your boat and without getting into someone else's way. So um, if you're coming into a basin that's a couple of miles wide or what have you, and you know you need to keep going further and you look out into the, you look out across the water, you can't see the bar two miles out. You can't see exactly how you're going to get past the bar if you're just looking out with your eyes. Right. But if you look at our chart, you can say, oh, well, the bar goes from here to here. Okay. There's three passages through this bar. One over here, one straight ahead, and one over to the right. I can choose cut A, cut B, or cut C. Those are my options, and then you can head off in that direction right. on one of the tracks that we've laid out there, and it's very easy to see how you're going to keep going off in that direction at a glance. Sure. But then when you get over there, the edges are very precise. They're marked with yellow lines if you want to have that feature on. All the posts and PVC sticks or whatever might be there to help you navigate through there are going to be noted on there. And everything makes perfect sense to you when you get there because what you see with your eyes is what you see on the screen. Yeah, that's so nice. your, situational awareness, your situational awareness is very high in most of these places, and it all makes sense. Sure. Whereas with the other products, it's like, well, I don't see this post on there. I don't see this sign on there. Right. Am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? And the pictures are so poor that you can't figure it out from that. Right. So anyway, we endeavor to fix these problems. Well, and, and I got I got to tell you, I, I mean, Glenn, it, it's it's vastly superior product to any of the other products I've used in the past. Uh, and and just for the listeners, I am fairly new to the product, so very similar to you, just like you guys would be if you went out and bought the product, you know, this year and started to use it. I just I just got it kind of all settled in my boat and kind of figured it all out here in the last couple of weeks, and I am absolutely blown away. So. I believe, and, and I'm telling you, it's a better product than what you're getting from other companies. Now, with that being said, Glenn, so you've accomplished what the rest of them haven't done, which I think is awesome. And I think it's a testament to your tenacity. And, you know, just in, in the conversation we've had here today, the conversation I had when you and I first talked, um, you know, you're so passionate about it. That's incredible. Now, w- let me ask you this. What's on the horizon for mapping in general? And not maybe not just for you, but maybe for all companies. Do you think the other companies will ever try to put forth the effort to catch up with what you're doing at, at, at Isla Mapping? Well, the way I see maps is like tools in your garage and your toolbox. You can't, there isn't one tool that's perfect for every job. 
you know, sometimes you need a bigger screwdriver or a smaller one or a bigger wrench or what have you. You know, you need something with finesse. And my read of this and the way I see maps in general is maps are like tools. No map is ever going to be perfect. No map is going to be perfect for every location, um, but there's always going to be something that's better than something else for every particular location or task at hand. And so um, I don't think that there's ever going to be one that's better than the other uh, for every place. And so I, the way I see maps, it's just like tools. And people want tools. They want lots of tools. They want options for things. If you relegate someone to one tool and one tool only, that's definitely not as good as if they've got 50 tools in their toolbox. Sure. Now, with respect to the mapping, uh, you know, we have created something that's very unique in the marketplace. Um, we fixed all these problems that we brought to their attention that no one wanted to ever admit even existed. And they still don't even admit it to this day. <laughs> right. uh, now, this is really a whole different story in itself. Some of these stories we get into because they still don't want to admit the big elephant sitting in the corner of the room and they will look at you with a straight face and they will just do everything they can to ignore it. And they, it's gotten to the point now where we have so much traction in the market, um, that these, uh, these guys have been actually professionally coached on how to respond to challenges to their mapping. And they struck, they really struggle trying to answer the questions. Well, how come you don't do this? And how come you don't have that? And how come your pictures are the way they are? And how come the resolution is what it is? And all of these complaints that they get now on a fairly regular basis, because now at the shows, whether it be the Miami boat show or the Fort Lauderdale boat show or ICAST or what have you, these people now with all of our thousands and thousands of customers out there, we have nearly 10,000 customers out there now running around in Florida. And many of them are converted from these other folks, but they, they like their other machine. And so they'll stop by the booth or whatever, and they'll challenge them. When are you going to bring these guys on, you know, um, or how come you don't, or how come your map is this, or how come your map is that way? They have all been professionally coached or most of them now, um, on how to respond to this, but it goes over very poorly because there is no good answer for these, these, these questions, right? Because the charts speak for themselves. You know, why don't you have the posts? Well, you know, they try to explain around it. Well, how come you don't have high resolution imagery and how come your ads say that you do? Well, you know, uh, you know, we do the best we can with this and so forth. They try to explain around it, but there's never a good answer. Well, these other guys did it. How come you don't do it? <laughs> right. You know, well, you know, they have a very different thing, but basically what it's come down to is it's very, very hard to do what I do. Right. Um, and they have to take a very broad brush to their task. And so what you'll see and what everybody listening probably intuitively understands is that they're mapping deep water because it's easy to map deep water. Sure. It's not easy to map every post and stake in the, in the Florida Everglades. Right. It's not easy to do that. There's sure. no shortcut to that, but, but to get, depth information from the government and create depth contours and make pretty pictures in deep channels and so forth. It's easy to do that. And when you look at the ads, you'll see, Oh my God, these maps, they look so pretty. They're handsome. Look at these beautiful products they create with all the lines everywhere, but it's always in 20, 30, 50 feet, hundred feet. Right. You're not going to see any high resolution pictures of hell's Bay. Right. You know, with all the posts and you're not going to see that because they don't map that they map these inlets, Sure. You know, and the deep water and so forth. That's what they're doing. They're mapping the blue water. So what I say about the charts and where we're going 
is that you know, they're going to continue to do that because that's really what's feasible for them, all things considered, sure. to do that. Uh, and, and it's easy to update those data. Um, but they're, ne- they're never going to be running around uh, between through the narrows map, mapping every PVC stake. That's just a different task. And that's okay. Yeah. That's totally okay. But this is why I say, hey, you know, if I'm running around in the uh, Bahamas in 2,000 feet of water, maybe I want to use this map over here because they've really mapped the hell out of that. Exactly. They've got it down, man. The, the depth, the, you're right. So I plug in the, that, that particular tool for that spot. But then when I go to the Narrows and Homosassa, I'm plugged in this other one. Sure. And if I go to the Rock Garden up at Apalachicola, I plug in this other one because they've got the Rock Garden map like crazy up there. They get every rock in the place mapped. Right. Um, I want that map for that place. And when I go to Cedar Key, maybe there's a different map for that or wherever. But that's why I say the tools are very important and the options are very important. And um, some of these folks, they rele- relegate you to one chart and one chart only. And uh, that's what I hear every week from people call. We are converting on average this year about five people every day yeah. away from the one chart Monty. It's yeah. no good. I'm that guy. Okay, I'm, one of, so, I'm one of those five people, my brother. Let's let's jump over to. We could talk mapping. I could talk mapping with you forever. Let's let's jump over to a couple of questions. I like to ask all my guests because this whole thing started because of your love to fish. So I want to know. I want to know what's what's Glenn Houseman's very favorite place to fish. Oh uh, well, I, I uh, unquestionably the Lower Keys uh, are my favorite place. I have a place there and. When my dad would take me, we would go to Isla Mirada and fish Florida Bay and all of that for the tarpon. But when I got to the lower keys and started exploring that, um, and Key West and what have you, I just find that to be far more appealing overall because, uh, mainly because the water is so clean there sure. and, um, and it's just a far more visual place for myself, um, with the clarity of the water and, and everything. I just like it down there a lot better. And of course the fishing pressure is a little bit less as well. Uh, and the traffic down there because you don't have so much traffic on a regular basis from Miami coming all the way down there. So I like the lower keys the best. And I've been down there now for many, many years. And it's ironic. I don't, you know, I have all this GPS equipment on my rig because I'm always mapping everything, but I don't, I've gotten so proficient at it now. I could be like, Tim Carlisle down there. I don't even need a GPS. <laughs> I mean, I can run anywhere. I don't need it. It's just, but everywhere, every time I go on the boat, whether I'm mapping or not for the day in terms of my plan, I'm always mapping something. Sure. So I have to have the equipment in case I see something, I have to mark it. Right. So, and people look at me like I'm crazy because I have all this stuff, but it's like, you know, it's just part of the gig. And so, it's like, so, yeah, if I'm going to be out here, I might as well bring it. So, so the other- I like the lower keys. Okay. The other, the other question is, the other question is what's your favorite fish to catch? If you could only catch one fish for the rest of your life, which one, which permit? Yeah, I get that. Permit. So I don't know. Permit. I I don't know what it is, Mike, but I have, uh, I have a, some kind of knack for catching permit that I don't know. You know, when I talk to the guides, because we go down there, I hire all these folks all the time to take me out because it's just so nice to have someone else take you out where you don't have to worry about anything. You just stand on the bow and they take care of everything. And I like that. But most of these guys are like, you know, on the map as well. And I like to listen to what they have to say, but we go out and over the years I have caught 
I, I try to catch the tarpon and I'm pretty good at it. I've caught a lot of tarpon, but I, I do believe it or not the permit. I catch more permit than tarpon. <laughs> I just, it's crazy. I just have a really great success catching the permit. I, I, I've got some very, very big permit. My biggest is about 45 nice. um, pounds uh, on a, on a, on a 20 pound outfit. Um, but I'm just very, very good at finding them and catching them. And I seem to have better success catching those than the, than the, than the tarp. And so I, if I'm ever in a tournament or anything, I'm going for the permit first. If, if the time is right, you know, because I seem to do better with those. I and I've caught as many, I've caught as many on the flats. I've, we caught, um, a couple of years ago, seven in one day on the flats. Ooh, nice. Down in, down in Key West. Um, that was incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I, I just, I don't know. Permit is my thing. I like hunting them. They're very spooky and all of that. But the challenge of it, I just love the permit. I don't know why. Yeah, I get it. Um, permit, permit's up on my list too. What, what for our listeners, as we wrap this thing up, what's, what's the easiest way for someone listening to, to find the product? Is it, is it, you know, do you want them to go to Florida Marine tracks.com? What's the best, what's the best website well, address? They, they, they all go to the same place eventually. Cause we started as, as Florida Marine tracks back in the early days, because that's what it was, you know, but then when we expanded, I had to get rid of the foreign Marine tracks name because we were in Louisiana and expanding from there. And I'm like, I can't have Florida Marine tracks for some other state. Louisiana, so I have right. to do something different. So that's when we, we created Isla mapping, which ISLA mapping. And I was like, well, Isla mapping will be the umbrella and then we could have the products underneath it. So now I've got Florida Marine tracks, which I consider as one product underneath that umbrella. And then we have Louisiana, which is another product under the umbrella. If we can expand it to some other things then we can have those under that umbrella, but the website is Isla mapping, ISLA mapping.com. Or you could also type in Florida Marine tracks.com and it'll take you to the same place. We sell everything everything direct. Good. We used to have, we used to have a dealer network, but that was disbanded a couple of years ago for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but we've been very successful selling direct. Uh, the shipping is pretty quick. Um, our update process is all handled through that website as well. If people need to update their charts, they can update their charts there at that website. And we sell everything directly there and, uh, there's phone numbers there to call or what have you. So, that's where it is, islamapping.com, and and uh, we we ship them out every day. So, well, I'm very, I'm very, the, uh, I'm very grateful for uh, for you adding me to the pro staff. I'm a big believer in the product. Like I said, just been playing with it here for a couple of weeks, but I'm absolutely blown away by everything you did. So, we appreciate your time today, Glenn, and uh, hopefully, you get a bunch of calls here from the podcast take it from me people that is uh it's worth the view you need to go there check it out and uh and don't be afraid to uh add it to your machine because it's super super good stuff great job my friend i appreciate you all right thank you mike we'll talk later all right partner thanks Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Animals Podcast, which is always brought to you by our good friends at Contender Boats, as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Interesting guy Glenn Hausman is with Isla Mapping, FloridaMarineTracks.com, Louisiana Marine Tracks as well. Um, you know, that, that kind of tenacity to just get after something and, and turn it into a business 
really, really impresses me. And, and when you turn your machine on with that card in it, and you, especially when you hit the tracks and you see all of the safe travel tracks that come with this uh, particular, with these particular mapping systems, uh, it, it's really impressive what he's done. So, uh, you know, again, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check him out again, Isla GPS Marine Charts, uh, ISLA. Uh, it's it's really, really, really good stuff. So remember, the Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. Remember, it's important to Subscribe, rate, and review as that helps us out a bunch. We're going to be trying to drop new episodes here about every two weeks. So uh, stay tuned for more coming your way. And again, always presented by our good friends at Contender Boats. We appreciate you guys listening. Tight lines. Have a great day.